Hello and welcome to a special episode of Business Line Podcast. In this episode, our Mumbai Bureau Chief Thomas K. Thomas talks to Dell Technology CFO Tom Sweet about the company's PC business, hiring during the pandemic, and sustaining the company's growth momentum. Listen in for more. Meeting me again. It's been a while. It's been a while. I was just going through our, my interview, uh, which we did last time. Which and was back in 19. 19, yeah. yeah. And time flies. Time flies, you know. And so much has changed since then. Mm-hmm. And we've already seen two cycles of, you know. Uh, so when we spoke, it was on, on again, a economic downturn. Then the pandemic came, you know, everybody did well because yeah. of the digital, uh, you know. And last time I was just telling you, I was, uh, had a chat with Chuck. And we were talking all about uh, Dell coming out of record, uh, you know, numbers. And mm-hmm. here we are again. You know, just a year after that, uh, and you know things are not so. Lo- so I, I was telling Mahesh that, you know, you you would be the best person to talk to at this point in time, because you know US CFO uh, would have seen such cycles over your career, you know, multiple times. Yeah. So, as a CFO, how do you sort of navigate these times? Yeah. Look, I think. Um, look, you're right. I mean, it's been an amazing couple of years, to your point, right? And. Um, you know, everything got locked down when the pandemic hit in early 20, in 2020. And then, you know, as you, the, the world realized they needed technology in order to continue to function, you know, from hybrid models, whether it's education or remote learning, remote work. Uh, and so the, the client side of the business accelerated through, through that phase. And then the infrastructure business has you know, also picked up as well, given some of the, uh, the, the, the technology trends that we're seeing. But, you know, we're like, like all industries, you're not immune to macroeconomic dynamics that are going on right now. And so obviously as we went through the year and we've talked about it in my earnings call, we've seen, you know, um, you know, with inflation and central banks pushing up interest rates around the globe Mm -hmm. with trying to dampen demand and growth to control inflation. That's had a cautionary effect on our uh, on the economies and quite frankly our customers our customers are being a bit more cautious these days around where where you know their their pace of spend because they're still spending by right. the way because technology continues to be extraordinarily important from a business model evolution and capability but they are being a bit cautious on until they get a better understanding of what does this economic cycle look like? Okay. Right. And so that's what we're seeing right now. Having said that, as the CFO, I'm all about, okay, trying to understand what that environment looks like such that we can plan the business in the context of, okay, how do I think about, um, you know, what does our trajectory and, and velocity look like over the inner short term? Right. And, and Think about calendar year, right? The calendar year 23. How do we think about what revenue will look like? Mm-hmm. And then, quite frankly, as you if you think, okay, it's going to be a bit challenging, which we've talked about publicly. Then, okay, what do you think about how do you how do you frame the investment and spend framework that you want to um, have the company? Uh, be uh, be disciplined about, right. and so that's what I've been spending a lot of time with, which is a couple of things. One is, okay, what does that P and L forecast need to look like, and 
we've taken some cost actions. We started actually controlling and, and being restricting spend last June, mm -hmm. where we restricted hiring, we, we, we reduced spending. And then we just recently announced, as you know, like many others in the tech industry, that you know we were going to reduce our workforces. We did some restructuring to set up the company for future growth opportunities, and that resulted in some team members, you know, some jobs being eliminated, right. which is unfortunate, and you, you never like to do that, but I think it was the right decision to make to position the business for long-term success. Um, and then, But on, at the same point in time, even as we're doing that, we have to continue to invest in the growth areas. Mm -hmm. So my job as a CFO is to say, how do you balance both short-term spin right. But making sure you're continuing to invest in those longer-term growth opportunities. What's that mean? That means things like the edge business that we're building out in the, in the, in the solution capability there. It's around our telecom right. growth initiative. It's around a multi-cloud. It's around, from an economic model uh, evolution, it's around as a service and, and those types of, 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 of solution capabilities that we're building. So... That's a long-winded way of saying it's a pretty careful balance of trying to navigate your way through this environment right, right. now, being mindful of the short term, but making sure that you don't do anything that jeopardizes or impairs the long-term growth initiatives and opportunities that you see in the marketplace. Right. 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 So one of the things that, you know, in my conversations with uh, a lot of tech companies, say a year back, yep. uh, out of the pandemic, uh, everybody was seeing massive growth because uh -huh. of the digital adoption mm -hmm. and my question to everybody was do you see this sustaining going forward <clears throat> and everybody said yes you know uh, there was a resounding uh, consensus that this technology adoption is here to stay uh, enterprises consumers will continue to spend on technology and because technology and digital and data is is become the core of a lot of what we do mm -hmm. uh, that spend is not going to go away anytime soon that was the that was the theme yep uh, but a year later, we are seeing, you know, the, the, these layoffs and cost cutting and things like that. Mm -hmm. Now, I am sure that technology still continues to play a central theme for every company, every individual. I use technology, my company uses technology. Yep. But spends have been cut. Uh, yep. People are trying to do more with what they have in that sense. Did did the tech companies get it wrong or did you miss, it, miss this uh, down cycle that's going to come or did it come too rapidly? You know, I, I've gotten that question a lot about, hey, did you, you think about all the investments you made and the team members you hired during the pandemic, and, and did we did we somehow miscalculate the what the environment was going to look like? I don't, I think the answer is no. I, I think during the pandemic, there was unprecedented demand, right? And so you needed to fulfill that demand and make sure you were taking care of your customers. Right. Right? And so that required incremental capacity to do so. <clears throat> I think what we're seeing right now, to your point, is, look, I, I don't think the underlying premise around technology <clears throat> has changed, right? Right. But you and I have been around long enough to know that it's not always up and to the right on a linear fashion, right? It, there are going to be pauses <clears throat> in the environment um, because people like me as CFOs, when, when I'm talking to my CIOs, I'm mm -hmm. like, <clears throat> hey, I hear that you need to do this, but I want you to go a bit slower right now. 
mm-hmm. right? Because I want to make sure I understand what we see in the environment and how that's going to impact our business in the short term. Right. And so you do see, as I said earlier, a bit of customer cautiousness right now, mm. right? As, as, as everybody's trying to understand what's that macro layout, our, our impact going to look like, right? right? But the, the underlying premise, and you've said it, data is getting created at a remarkable rate, mm. right? The rise of edge with 5G rollout in the sense of, you know, the reduction in latency and the, and the availability. And the, 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 the real-time sort of decision-making that you can now do at the edge, there is an investment cycle that will is happening and will continue to happen in some of these technologies right. that we're seeing. So, again, I'm long-term optimistic, but, you know, we're not immune to the macro environment mm-hmm. right now, you know? And so, uh, and so we've been very much focused on controlling what we can control, right. which is... Right. How do we take care of our customers? How do we continue to invest for the long term? How do we manage our cost framework while taking care of our team members? And so that's been the balance that we've been trying to, to work our way through. Right, right. So as a CFO, uh, you would have obviously seen a lot of down cycles I have. in your career. <laughs> I've seen more than a few. Yeah. So where would you read the, uh, read the current environment that we are in, in the context of what you've been through? Mm-hmm. And is there any other way companies and corporates can deal with down cycles in a better way? I mean, is there a, is there a better way of handling this? Yeah, look, I, uh, I don't, uh, I can't speak for the broad industry. I can just speak for what we do. I, I, I think, you know, if I, I'm, I'm old enough to have remembered the dot-com bust of 2000, 2001. Right. And the great financial crisis of 2008, 2009. And, and what we see what we see right now doesn't look like those, um, um, you know, times in, in particular. Mm-hmm. What we see right now is really a supply chain generated inflationary impact across the globe, given some of the disruptions and the rise in demand coming through the pandemic. And then you have, you know, the Ukraine war situation, and right. you have China COVID lockdowns, mm-hmm. all of which put pressure on supply chain, which created this imbalance of supply demand, right. right? Where demand outstrips supply and therefore you've got inflationary pressure. Mm-hmm. The question is, is how long does that last and when does it normalize? And then you layer in because of some of the other situations in the globe, things like the energy, you know, cost of energy and some of the cost of food given some of the Ukraine, you know, given the Ukraine situation, unfortunate situation. So, so it, the cause of the, the economic softness, if you will, is different, mm-hmm. right? And because of that, as we sort of think our way through what does this really look like, we tend to think that, look, you know, I don't have perfect vision in the future, obviously, but right. we, we tend to think that calendar 23, and I've said this publicly, will be, it's going to be where, you know, it, it is, will be some, some challenging navigation we'll have to do. And I think the first half of the year probably has a few more challenges than the second half of the okay. year, right? But we'll have to see how that unfolds, mm-hmm. right? And much of that is going to be dependent upon as we come through this and we get reads on inflation in the various countries, what do the central banks do? Right. Do they pause interest rate hikes? Do they stabilize? And businesses generally are looking for signals from these central banks to say, are you through the tightening cycle? Therefore, mm-hmm. I have better confidence around longer-term GDP or growth opportunities, right? right? Which, you know, 
you you would think would would begin to trigger some strengthening in the economy. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's what we're trying to understand right now. But in the meantime, we you know, I'm a CFO. I'm telling the team. I said, look, we're gonna be we're just gonna be a bit cautious right now as we work our way through the environment. Right. So you spoke about balancing, uh, you know, keeping costs in control vis-a-vis investing in the right areas, uh-huh. growth areas where you think it's important, right? Yeah. It's, you know, it's a technology industry, so if you don't innovate, you die. So can you talk a little bit about what are these areas where you are continuing to put your money behind? What are the areas where you think Dell is continuing to put, you know, put yeah. its mic behind, even in these current times? Yeah, look, I think there's a, a number of areas, and I mentioned a few of them earlier. If we look at long-term um, addressable market, mm-hmm. You know, which is how we tend to think about it. Right. So the core markets that Dell competes in and, and plays in our client business, our infrastructure business, is roughly about a $700 billion market. Right. Okay. In addition, adjacent markets around that core, whether that's telecom or data or edge, you know, represent another 700 billion. So the total market opportunity we tend to think about is about a 1.4 trillion dollar market. Okay. Okay? So big market and we're roughly 101 billion dollars last year, so obviously room to grow, right. right? So we have been focused on how do you take advantage of these these market opportunities and what do we need to invest in? So we've been investing first in telecom. Mm-hmm. Right, it's it's clear that around the globe, as, as telecom providers are rolling out five G spectrum and five G, uh, and, and and the need to upgrade their networks as a result of that, that they're looking to move away from proprietary closed yes. Ericsson, Nokia type, Huawei type systems and move to an open standard and, and industry standard architecture. Right which we think plays to us, and we we are working with a number of the large telecom providers around helping them open up and, 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 and transform their networks. Right. That's a long, you know, that's going to happen over the next three, five, seven years, mm-hmm. but a really interesting market opportunity. Yes. So we're investing in software capability, service capability, new new server capabilities that are form, that are custom, you know, designed for the telecom space. Mm-hmm. That's an area we're investing in. Edge. Right. We, if you look, and you've been around now for a while, no offense, right? But you know, you think about the tech, the trends in technology. So yeah. you go all the way back to the '60s, and you had the mainframe environment, mm-hmm. and then the x86. So centralized, that x86 was distributed, then cloud, yeah, centralized, and now we're seeing distribute distributed architecture again with edge. Right. As companies are pushing out compute and storage capabilities to the edge of the network mm-hmm. to take take advantage of real-time decision, whether that's manufacturing, smart cities, autonomous driving, which is a bit overused, but it's a good example. Right. Um, and so we're investing in edge, edge architecture in terms of the software layers and, and hardware solutions that help a customer um, control and manage, you know, uh, compute and decision and information at the edge. Right. So that's an interesting opportunity for us. So that's an investment cycle we're driving. We're, we're investing in multi-cloud. Mm-hmm. Um, again, if I was talking to customers five years ago, they, it was all about everything's going to the public cloud. Right. right. That's not really how it's played out, right? It's more, I think customers have become much more 
um, thoughtful and, and around the economic models around some of these uh, platforms. And so, you know, it's the world is now multi-cloud. It's not public cloud. So workloads and data are going to reside on the public cloud. Some are going to reside on on-prem. Some are going to reside in hosted private cloud. And the challenge that most of our customers are facing is just how do I manage that data? How do I manage those workloads? And I need seamless operability where I can move uh, back and forth between these platforms. Right. That's the world of multi-cloud, multi-cloud um, operating systems and management systems. And again, uh, you know, that's an area that we're partnered with. Uh, you know, we're building out capability. We're partnered with VMware on that, right. and partnered with, with you know other sort of providers as well. So, those are like you know three examples of things that we're we're looking at. I think maybe the final example is just as a customer, maybe you don't want to spend a, the capex to buy my solutions outright. Maybe right. you'd rather either finance it through my captive financing subsidiary or perhaps you want to as a service model, right? right? So, or flex on, you know, a consumption-based model. Mm -hmm. And so customers are interested in that economic model in right. terms of how did that, that as a service capability. And we sort of frame that in our Apex solutions. Right. And that's a fast-growing area for us. You know, we announced... Uh, Q2 last year that we were now over a billion dollars of annualized run rate ARR uh, for our Apex offerings and the, they continue to grow. Right. And customers are interested in that. Now, um, and from a CFO perspective, I, I I like that economic model because it gives me stability of revenue flow and right. it gives me stability of cash flow. Right. Uh, and, and, and a more predictable, I should say, revenue and cash flow. Mm -hmm. So, so again, but we've got to build out the offers and the service capabilities around some of those solutions as we continue to help our customers in that space. So, uh, those would be some areas I would say what we're investing right. in. So, I have a follow-up on the telecom space because that's something I watch very closely as well. Mm -hmm. So, as the networking uh, business, as you mentioned, is becoming open RAN and things like that are coming in. You have a lot of Indian companies also coming into that space, like TCS and Infosys, which are traditionally IT services companies. Mm -hmm. They are uh, investing big time and they are going live with BSNL in India, for example. Mm -hmm. They're going, uh, looking at, uh, you know, Europe and African markets with their solutions. Uh, so because it's open source, it will get highly competitive for you there as well. Mm -hmm. Now you'll have maybe 15 or 20 players competing for the market, right? So how do you go after this market? Do you play partner with TCS, for example, or... Would you, would you do it on your own? No, I mean, you're clearly going to both build organic solutions as well as you're going to partner for solutions and capability as well. And we're, and we, have a, uh, we have a partner ecosystem around the telecom space, right. right? I think how do we win? If you think about what Dell Technologies does, how we grew up, I have the largest services footprint of any technology provider. Right. You know, I have the largest direct selling organization. I have the largest supply chain. Telecom providers, to your point, um, as they pivot away from proprietary, you know, holistic solutions, mm -hmm. they don't want to be the systems integrator for the technology. They want someone to bring these to bring these solution the solution together, install it, run it, manage it, service it. Right. Right. There's nobody that has the scale that we do in that space. 
So we have some advantages in this space. Now, you've got to go out and compete, and you got to have the right solution, and you, and you have to have the right economic value model. But I think we think we have a, a really strong opportunity to continue to win and grow in that space, given the environment we're seeing. So coming to India, where do you see, uh, I know you and Michael Orbit's been bullish, uh, Chuck was very bullish. Uh, where do you see India as of now uh, in terms of the sales or revenues that you're com- getting from here and as a market specifically? Has it met your expectations? Last time we spoke uh, in 2019, you, you said we're close to hitting about a $3 billion revenue. Mm-hmm. Has that been achieved? Where does India figure in your overall scheme? Yeah. I can't comment on the $3 billion target that I gave those guys actually in, the, in that interview. Right, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But uh, stay tuned for that once we release earnings um, in a few weeks. Okay. Look, I think the India market is an extraordinarily interesting market for us. If you look at, I think India is now the fifth largest economy yeah. in the globe. And I think it's the third largest technology market right now. And so the, the pace of digital adoption in India is, is remarkable. Right. right. And so there's a lot of just really... Um, interesting opportunities in this market and so look we're very bullish um, long term on India and the, and the growth opportunity that it provides us now again you got to go win the win it but you know with the investments the government is making the the, the pro technology posture of the government in many respects in terms of some of the regulatory frameworks that have adjusted over time the commerce frameworks that have adjusted this latest uh, you know the, the production incentive program that they've rolled out to yeah. build you know made in India which we're taking advantage of with bringing incremental notebook capacity into India okay you know there's a lot of positives here mm-hmm. right and so again um, we've got to continue to build our capabilities and work with both our selling organizations and our partners but the growth opportunity is pretty remarkable Right. So you mentioned about uh, manufacturing and, and making India. Is that something that you're scaling up here? We have continued to build out our... We've been in India. We've yeah. manufactured in India for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Even before all these programs. Yeah. Coming. You know, and so, you know, we're the, you know, we manufacture servers here. We manufacture desktops here. We manufacture notebooks. Now, the, you know, we continue to build out sort of the incremental product lines that we're manufacturing. So getting more products in Yeah, you know. And so that's what we've been focused on doing. And, you know, and the, 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 the production incentive program is a, is a, a thoughtful incentive rolled out by, the, by you know, the Indian government to encourage, you know, domestic manufacturing. Right. right? And so, uh, you know, it's, it's, been, it's a good program for mm-hmm. us. So you mentioned about how the supply chain got disrupted uh, mm-hmm. during the COVID and uh, also due to the geopolitical uh, you know, tensions in between U.S. China uh, in, the, in the overall scheme of things. Do you see India playing a larger role here, given the fact that, for example, we are now looking at uh, setting up our own semiconductor uh, line? You know, so a couple of companies have said, Foxconn, Vedanta, have come up and said, we will set it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, my question to you is, one, do you see uh, Dell shifting a lot of their capabilities out in China to India? And... Would, would you sort of, uh, you know, use this, if suppose there's a semiconductor fabrication uh, facility set up in India, would you use that 
to source some of your uh, needs? Look, I, I think, you know, we have been uh, on record as saying, look, you know, that, that we need to have the appropriate resiliency and stability in the supply chain and predictability of the supply chain. And so we've taken a number of steps to, to build out the resiliency. Um, and that's and so as it relates to India, we'll continue to look for opportunity here. Given And, and does it make sense from a more global footprint? We'll have to see how this develops from a semiconductor perspective, you know, I think we're always interested in what are the sources of silicone and can you diversify and, and build resiliency into your supply base. You know, semiconductors have been a huge challenge for the industry over the last number of, of years. And so, again, those are long-term investments that you know take many years to come to market, so right. we'll have to see how that develops. But, mm -hmm. you know, we've been on record as saying we'll continue to look build resiliency in the supply chain. So will take advantage of that, I would think, if and when it's appropriate. Right. So the reason why I'm asking is I saw a Reuters report. Again, mm -hmm. it was source space. It was not attributed to any Dell official. Uh -huh. The report said that uh, Dell is going to cut down on China. For, you know, so. You know, that's not actually, I, I saw, I know what report you're talking right. about. That's actually not what we, what we communicated to our supply chain is that coming out of the last fiscal year and starting this fiscal year, you know, we wanted our ODMs and our supply chain to look at this, uh, the sources of semiconductors from a stability and resiliency perspective. Mm -hmm. And how do we diversify that such that we ensure that we meet our customer requirements? And so we asked them to go look at that. Right. That was all we said. Okay. Right? <laughs> you know, we didn't say anything else, right? And then that report got... You know, so you can make your, your own assumptions of the right. report, but right. we've been pretty clear that, you know, China plays an important role for us and we'll continue to do so, but we also need to make sure we've got the right resiliency. Okay. Mm -hmm. So one uh, area we have not talked about is the PC business, which is obviously your uh, almost 50, 60 percent of your revenue still comes from there. Yep. Uh, IDC is, obviously the market is pretty bad right now and yep. IDC is projected that this market will not improve for another year. I mean, this entire year, maybe next year, they're saying things will look up. Mm -hmm. uh, how are you playing this market now uh, in yeah. terms of uh, both in terms of... So one of the... Uh, I was looking at some analyst report and one criticism is that you did not go after... You have not gone after the consumer market as much as, say, an HP or a Lenovo has. And therefore, uh, all along, since you've tapped into the commercial side of the PC, uh, now that the commercial side is slowed down, you don't have something to back up. Right or wrong, that's the observation that the analyst made. So, would you would you see some some change in the way you're going after this market? I don't think so. Um, and let, so let's 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 just sort of put some facts on the table. Yeah. Pre-COVID, the PC market, from a total unit perspective, was somewhere in the range of 255 million to 260 million units a year. Right. Right. And then COVID hits. You know, people get are, are are at home and they need to to, to do to do to to have remote education, remote learning, remote entertainment, and that unit number jumps to like 330, 340 million units, right? Right. right? And I think this year, calendar twenty two that we just finished, PC units were somewhere around two hundred and ninety two million units, mm -hmm. right? So still above the two sixty, right? And, and we think long-term that the PC units are going to be higher than pre-COVID. Now, 
it's clear right now we're in a down cycle on PCs, no doubt. Right. Um, and we do think that probably, you know, we'll have to see how calendar 23 evolves. IDC's got their own forecast. I think it's minus 6% on a unit, minus 7% right. on a unit basis, something like that. Um, with more downward pressure on the consumer space than the commercial space. Right. So I want to come back to that comment, too. If you look at our PC business, we are 75 78% commercial oriented, right. right? As you know, as you right. alluded to. Right. And the, the consumer business that we do tends to be uh, medium to high price band in gaming, right? right? And we think that's the right place to, to play. Mm -hmm. And so from my perspective, I'm less interested in total units than okay. I am in, you know, um, you know, of the units that we're interested in, in the higher price bands and in the commercial space, how are we doing in that space? Right. And we've done very well. And even in down market, all of calendar 22, we're the only OEM that's take has grown share. Right. Right. right? For the whole year. Mm. Now, granted, it's a little challenging out there, so you're right. But... You know, so our strategy continues to be making sure that we take care of our customers. Let's continue to offer great solutions. Let's continue to think about how do we build out the ecosystem around the PC. Okay. So, and I know this sounds like stuff we've been talking about for like 20 years, but it's still true, right? In the sense of you buy a PC, now you're going to buy big monitors. Now you're going to buy a camera. Now you're going to buy audio, you know, and, and those types of things add a lot of value in, 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 to the overall PC TAM that, right. you know, that we're interested in tapping. And we have a very strong, what we call a software and peripheral business that we're continuing, that we're very much focused on how do we expand, mm -hmm. right? And so we're, we continue to be long-term bullish on the PC space, recognizing that, okay, it's going to have some softness in it over the next couple of quarters or so, but we'll work our way through it. And um, the opportunity, you know, from, from a cash flow generation, from a stable growth, you know, over time is still there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's been our focus and will continue to be our focus. Right. right. So you, you mentioned about inflationary pressures and, of course, you know, central banks have been increasing interest rates uh, over the last year or so. Uh, how does that impact your pricing strategy? Yeah, look, I mean... Pricing strategy encompasses a lot of different things, right? It encompasses, in the international markets, things like currency mm -hmm. fluctuation, which are obviously impacted by interest rates. Right. Um, you know, the, the current demand supply, uh, the demand environment, you know, the pricing environment. So, in general, what we try to make sure is that we have a competitive um, list price and a competitive offer price across the globe, right? Right. Now, uh, that doesn't mean we're always the least expensive, but what we try to make sure is that from a competitive position that we, we are, our, our pricing is in line with market, market um, data and market opportunity. Right. So, but you know, it, it, it changes quite a bit. I mean, you're adjusting pricing pretty, you know, pretty rapidly in the environment we've been in and Clearly, in the last six nine months, you know, currency has been a headwind. Right, right. You know, as uh, the dollar has strengthened. Yeah. You know, yeah. and you can see that here in India mm -hmm. right, in terms of what's happened with the rupee. Right. Right. 
over the last number of years. So, so in the in the current environment, what do you think would be your number one biggest challenge as of now? Look, I think um, the biggest challenge that I think about is just okay. Well, two two parts to that answer. First is a short term challenge, which is okay. Manage your way through current environment. Make sure that you've got the company <clears throat> position properly. You've got your financial model set up properly for the short term. Longer term, it is all about how do you continue to invest for growth and, and take advantage of the technology trends that are in the marketplace mm -hmm. that we continue to see over the next decade or so. Right. Future, I mean, do you, do you see an end to this some, sometime in the near future? Uh, end of what? I'm sorry. Do you see an end to the current uh, economic downturn soon enough or what, what are you picking from your clients and economists on this? Everybody's got a different opinion, <laughs> by the way, right? Uh, I have probably talked to two or three economists a week right now. But um, look, I think most people have begun to rally around. And so there's a, probably a danger in groupthink, mm. but rally around the fact that by mid-year, most think that the central banks around the globe will be through their tightening cycle mm -hmm. and will be in a period of stable interest rates with an idea that as you get towards the end of calendar 23 into 24, you'll begin to see interest rates drop. Right. Right? Because of that, there's a lot of, in the industry, there tends to be this view that the first half will have some challenges to it. Maybe the second half of calendar 23 might have some better conditions, but you know, quite frankly, time will tell, right? We'll have to see how the, the macroeconomic cycles play out. And quite frankly, I can't control that. So I'm very much focused on what do we do as a company to ensure that we're, we're well positioned. Hmm. And the supply chain issue, do you think worst is behind? I think so. Yeah. I mean, I'm, from our perspective, what we see right now, supply chain is generally normalized. Right? Mm -hmm. Lead times are back generally in profile. There's always spot shortages, right, of certain things. Right. And, and semiconductors continue to be challenging mm -hmm. in certain areas. But in general, the supply chain is in much better shape than it was six or nine months ago. Okay. Yeah. So the, the the demand and supply thing which you talked about, that's that's pretty much you know, matched up now because the demand itself has gone down. Because of uh, yeah, I mean, you could argue in the PC space, maybe there's too much supply right now. Oh, okay. You know, and, uh, we'll have to see. But you know, that's been a as you as, as the PC demand has fallen, you know, in the fact that supply chains have normalized, and you know, you, you're now starting to see the supply base and, and OEMs like ourselves try to make sure that we've got the right balance.